Welcome to Heart to Heart, a Horizon-produced podcast. My name is Christina Pearl, and today we are sitting down with one of our counselors, Kathy Lisborg, to discuss the feelings some of us may be navigating as we continue to move forward through the changes we've experienced due to COVID-19. We are looking at the grief some of us may be feeling at not only the loss of loved ones, but a loss of the rituals and perhaps sense of normalcy we may have had prior. Thank you all for tuning in today. We are sitting down with Kathy Lisborg from Horizon Health Services, and I'm going to have her introduce herself and tell us a little bit about her role at Horizon. Thank you for having me today, Chrissy. I am a mental health counselor Uh, My training is in social work, so I'm a licensed clinical social worker who's actually currently pursuing a doctorate in social work at the University of Buffalo. I've been with Horizon for four and a half years. It'll be five at the end of 2020. I work in the Pine Avenue Recovery Center in downtown Niagara Falls, and I've been there since I started. I love working in Niagara Falls. I have um, some specialties, mostly in grief and trauma, and also I would say a dual diagnosis population, and that's people that struggle with both mental health and addiction. That's great, and I think that your expertise and especially your focus on grief allows us to really divulge into the topic that we wanted to today And we're so grateful that you were able to sit down and speak with us because the world looks a lot different than it did about two months ago. And a discussion that you and I had a few weeks ago was really around this feeling of grief that many seem to be having amongst COVID. We never really thought about it that way, I don't think, initially. And your perspective really allowed us to to think, you know, let's have a conversation about this. How is this like grief? How are these feelings relatable? You know, even if we haven't experienced an actual, you know, loss of a loved one, but we're still feeling very similar things. Would you be able to kind of touch on that a little bit? Sure. I think when how it's similar to grief that you feel when a loved one dies, because if you think about it, if you've experienced it, and most people do at some point in their lives, that first emotion really is shock. And I know I felt incredibly shocked when, especially around in Western New York, when there was first a glimmer of the shutdown and when right. the when the virus seemed to really um, kind of invade the area and become more prevalent. And that shock really, you looked at the world differently. Things just didn't seem to work the same way. I think early grief also really affects your brain function. Like you just can't think straight. You can't, two and two don't make four anymore. And I think that that really affected almost everybody. I think you're totally right. And I know from our perspective and, you know, Horizon, obviously still essential, still working, still providing services, even though our routine 
you know, from a work perspective, we were still able to work, many of us, the whole process around your life changed. The loss of your routines, your rituals, you know, if you have kids, they're now homeschooled, right? You know, there's so many people who are impacted by, you know, the loss of jobs or, you know, layoffs. And something that really hit home with me when you and I were discussing this earlier was, you know, the rituals. We've lost a lot of rituals of our life that are really impacting us. So, you know, some of those rituals, you know, just very easily going out to the store and picking something up. Right. It was never a question before. It was never a process. Right. Whereas now it's, do I really need that? Do I want to go into a public place with a mask and with my gloves and potentially risk, you know, getting infected if, if, if that's, you know, what could happen? Um, family dinners, church services, birthday parties. So, all of those rituals are about connection, right? And staying together. Do you want to talk a little bit about that loss of rituals compared to, you know, kind of handling and navigating that grief? What I think is really interesting about that, and and you really hit on so many of the rituals in our lives, you know, going going to the coffee shop, hanging out with friends, going, going for Mother's Day, going to church, going to the store, like, we said without the mask. And what's interesting is that in grief, rituals are things that help us navigate that. So yes, after somebody passes, you know, oftentimes, um, either culturally or religiously, people have these rituals. I was raised Roman Catholic. So there's the wake and the funeral and the meal afterwards and going to the gravesite and bringing food to the home of somebody who passed, uh, the, the people who are, are still be- left behind, cards, signing the, the guest book. And we can't do those. And so right. we've, we're grieving the loss of these daily rituals without being able to have grief rituals to help us through it. So in so many ways, we're sort of wandering around rudderless, you know, Mm -hmm. without the ability to do the things that make us comforted or that comfort us. And, you know, it's it's interesting, too, because so many people on social media are are trying to fill that gap and are trying to give people self-care and self um, comfort, self-soothing things to do. And yet I think because they're new and they aren't those comforting rituals to us, it makes it harder to manage that loss. Absolutely. It really does. And then when you have, you know, an actual loss of a loved one during this time or a loved one is sick or someone, you know, has experienced loss, just like you said, you can't comfort them in the same way that you're used to or that we were raised by or that we were comfortable doing. And it's, it's that loss of connection and feeling like you are helping them along the way, assisting them along the way, being there, you know, showing love, showing friendship. 
Right. And grieving in a community. And that's really what carries you through those first couple of stages of grief. So there's a a grief theorist, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, wrote about the stages of grief. Um, in the beginning, it was actually written for end of life, you know, denial, bargaining, depression, anger, acceptance, and those were then applied to sort of the grief stages. So I feel like so many people bounced between the different stages. I mean, I don't think we're going to get to acceptance ever, but, right. um, <laughs> or maybe closure will come when we get a, a vaccine, but, sure. um, but that's kind of, it makes it similar and different, but then like you were talking about grieving in the time of COVID grieving an actual death of a loved one just became so much more disconnected. Social media is wonderful for so many things and able to keep people connected, particularly in a time like now, but it does not do the same as a hug or somebody holding your hand or standing right. next to you and crying at right. a funeral. Right. Yeah. You're right. And I think that that's why we've seen, especially obviously in our industry, but even just, I mean, you know, our friends and our family and our colleagues and acquaintances are seeing the isolation and the effects of that isolation on so many and, and, and working through that, navigating through that feeling of, wow, you know, I, I know I have this support virtually electronically through social media platforms, picking up those phones, using the Zoom calls and the FaceTimes to to try to at least connect and see people, you know, even if it is through a screen. Yeah. But like you said, it's just those other comforting ways of the hand holding and 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 the crying next to somebody and the hug is is lost. And that's scary to think about for the future even. So, you know, right now we're discussing, you know, hopefully this will get a little better each and every day and we can start reopening, but that loss of possible normalcy and what we're used to and what we've been used to in the past is, is really unknown. It is. It is. And it's interesting, something you were just saying brought up a thought in my mind. Another grief theorist has this uh, model called the dual process model, which is simply saying that you don't want to spend all your time grieving, but you also don't want to spend all your time avoiding. Right. So a lot Such of people, a good point. right, you want to, you want to go back and forth. You don't want to completely avoid it. And I know a lot of times that's what contributes to an increase in substance use is grief. Uh, people are at higher risk of developing an addiction or relapsing when they're experiencing the loss of a loved one. So I can only imagine that this also, this grief of the loss of normalcy and of normal rituals is also increasing people's relapsing or, or beginning to become addicted to a substance. Sure. Because they're trying, sense. yeah, they're trying to avoid that, those emotions. So to mm -hmm. be able to bounce back and forth, but imagine, you know, if you're, you know, a, you're married or you're in a, a relationship and your significant other or your spouse 
dies either from unrelated or from the virus. And you're left in that home by yourself, like steeped in this grief and unable to really even go out and see people and go out and and be with friends or be with a community or go to church or go to the movies or go to the mall. Right. You're really stuck in that grief section and it's very hard then to get to the other section right and to be able to get some relief from it so it's really complicated things so much for people both people who are grieving the loss of a loved one in this time or even just grieving that loss of normalcy how would we keep this manageable like what do you suggest i mean and again you know that dual process model and 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 understanding that it it it, it might end, it, it will end at some point, right? But what are some, you know, helpful, manageable tips maybe, or thoughts from your expertise where you suggest something like maybe we can do during the day or think about, and again, like we've talked about before, you know, connecting in whatever way possible and, you know, trying to do some practice of mindfulness, but Grief alone is hard to manage, you know, when it is an actual loss. And then to have these sort of feelings and that unknown, what are some, you know, suggestions that, that you have? I think it's important if you're, if you're speaking of the, the grief that we're kind of all going through in that lack of normalcy, that loss of normalcy, I think, like you said, mindfulness, as far as trying to stay in the moment recognizing what you do have control over and what you don't have control over. I have a senior at home who should be going away to college in the fall. And while we're sort of dipping our toe into the water that she will be home in the fall, at least for that fall semester, we're not like diving deep into the pool so that we're, we're like giving little bits of it and and trying to get used to the idea of it without really overwhelming us, overwhelming ourselves with that concept, because it, it just would, it would, I would feel incredibly overwhelmed and sad and depressed. And so would, right. so would my daughter. So right. So I think kind of using that as an example where, you know, the, the say, take the grocery store to be able to find times to go that you feel more comfortable or listening to a podcast or listening to music when you're there to kind of give you that little bit of foot in the grocery store, but a little foot in something that is soothing and comforting or feels good to you. You know, yes. maybe you're rocking it out or maybe you're listening to kind of your meditation music when you're in sure. the grocery store and to be able to do it in small bite sizes. Yes. I, I mean, I think self-care is really important, but also recognizing that self-care is not about necessarily, you know, doing your nails or watching a TV show. Sometimes it's about asking for something from your family or from a friend. Like I really need to talk to somebody. Can we do a, you know, a driveway visit? Could we do a FaceTime visit, even though maybe we normally just text? Kathy, I think that's such a great point that you just said. And I actually found myself doing that over the weekend. I 
asked my family and we're all very spread out throughout the country, really. And I were on a group text now. And again, in a weird way, this has allowed us to almost communicate more, right? Because, right. you know, everybody's, everybody has slowed down. So the activities and the busyness and the commitments um, aren't as prevalent. So everyone has time to text and everyone has time to Zoom. And this weekend, I, I noticed myself saying, you know, I, I'd like to hop on a Zoom. Anybody that's available, you know, hop on around four o'clock. And and I kind of sat back and thought, wow, you haven't really like commit, not that I commanded it, but you haven't really, you know, asked that. And I, and I kind of individually then, you know, checked in and said, are you going to hop on? I'd really like to see you. And if not, when can we schedule time? And I just found myself asking for that because I needed it that day. And again, it was through the screen, but it was better than nothing. And it provided a lot of laughs and, but you're right, like self-care, it doesn't have to be running two miles. It doesn't have to be doing your nails and all of that. It, it really can be asking for what you need in that moment from someone. And saying no too, you know, sure. through your, you know, your sister or your cousin or your aunt that wants to do the 25th Zoom call that week, you know, or is constantly FaceTiming you saying, no, I need to just sit in my feelings and I just need to, you know, manage my day. I can't imagine working at home and homeschooling. I, I just, that must be so overwhelming for people. The other thing that I was thinking of while you were talking was also a sense of um, body language. So I've noticed this as a counselor that for me, we're able to do phone sessions, but they're so much harder and so much, um, I don't know, they, they seem to require so much more effort. And I think that has to do with my body language speaks so much and does a lot of the work for me. So when I'm sitting in a room with a client and we're talking, my body language really communicates a lot of what I'm thinking and what I'm feeling and what I'm trying to emote. And that goes with personal relationships as well. Um, you know how when you text somebody, you have to like, you have to use more punctuation than you normally would or more emojis, right? Right. Because you need to get across that you really are joking. But if you're in person, your body language and your facial expressions speak a lot of what you mean. Sure. Those nonverbal cues. Right, right. And so the same, we're so isolated from each other and, and part of grieving that personal connection um, and it's tiring to try and only communicate through email or through text or through messaging so that having that face-to-face -face connection, even if it's in the driveway and you're 20 feet apart, is, is less, I think, less tiring and less requires less effort. Yes. So that it is more of a relief and it does connect us back to that normalcy of like, we are social creatures and we need each other, not yes. just over an electronic. It's great. Thank God we have this now. I mean, imagine if this pandemic had happened in the 80s. Right. You know, we'd be sending letters to each other. Right. Right. <laughs> um, so we do have this ability to connect, and yet it's still not the same. You're absolutely right. We've he we've heard it, right, over the last couple of weeks and the perspective people have now and um, how 
you know, they are going to really appreciate the in-person opportunities and, you know, not take things for granted. And, you know, none of us obviously ever thought we were taking anything for granted, right? It was just, it, it was our life. We never knew anything different. We never, you know, thought that walking down the street to a friend's house would ever not be allowed. I mean, that was just, we were very fortunate to live mm-hmm. in that space. So when that is, like you said, very abruptly shut down and that unknown is there and those rituals have gone away, that is very difficult. And it's hard kind of not to go down. Like you said, it's it's hard to not overwhelm yourself. And I think you hit the nail on the head when you said, try to just dip your toe in, right? Try not to dive right into the what ifs, into the what's next. And it's very difficult to not go down that road or to not dive in, right? But I've found that that has been helpful to just try not to go down those rabbit holes of the wondering and the what ifs and, and, and the constant because we, we still don't know a lot, right? We don't know what we don't know. And um, there's a lot of information out there and there's, there's a lot of times when it can be overwhelming. So to just kind of take a step back and, you know, exactly like you said with your daughter, you know, we're going to take it step by step. We're going to, we're going to see how the fall semester looks and, and we're going to see what next week looks like. You know, we're not going to jump into what the end of August or beginning of September look like. Right. I think another thing that's really important is to be able to feel your emotions. Lots of people, when they start to feel sadness, really want to push it away and want to avoid that as much as possible. And a lot of our society, I would say, really encourages you to look on the brighter side, be happy, you know, get over that depression. And there's there's a big difference between like a, what we would call a clinical depression and being sad. And part of grief is being sad mm-hmm. and being able to experience that. And I think that's where that addiction component comes in with grief, where people mm-hmm. are are scared of feeling sad. And I think I've had clients that talk about if I start to cry, I'm afraid I will never stop. I will just drown in my tears um, and won't ever be able to be happy again when the opposite really is true. That that crying or that feeling sadness and kind of embracing that is helpful to people in the process. Um, That being said, you know, if you're unable to get out of bed or get off the couch, you're not able to get your normal things done. You're not able to shower on a regular basis or, or bathe. Um, you find that you're either eating a lot or you're not eating much at all. And especially if you have thoughts of dying or thoughts of wanting to hurt yourself, that's when it's really important to get that professional help and to, and to reach out. Sure. And You know, so perfect segue into, I think, offering up some, you know, definition around, you know, what does counseling look like now? Um, You know, we're still open and we're still seeing patients and 
what we're finding is a lot of people are reaching out for the first time and utilizing our telecounseling and our telephonic counseling. Would you just be able to give us a little insight as to really how easy it is to connect if, if people feel like they might want to talk a couple things out with a counselor? It is really easy to connect now. There are, are a multiple of resources out there. And for us at Horizon, the ability to be to have a phone visit is wonderful. Um, but even the telehealth, you know, to be able to have that video face-to-face is also very helpful. In this time period, people are more used to using FaceTime or Zoom, even before the pandemic. Um, so they were used to this form of communication and comfortable with it. What I've also found is particularly when you first reach out to make an appointment to see a mental health professional, it can be so scary for people. It's if you've never done it before, the process is a little bit, sometimes it's a little bit different than going to see your primary care physician. You're looking for help with your mental health and that already makes you feel vulnerable and you might already be in a position where you're really anxious or more depressed and that just makes normal things a little harder to do. So the beauty of it now is that all you do is answer the phone when we call. So people can call our admissions number and make an appointment. And then your counselor is calling you or connecting with you through telehealth. You're in your own home where you feel safe, hopefully, and you feel comfortable, hopefully. You know, I've had- clients who have their dog next to them or their cat next to them. You know, it, it, it's, it's best if you can find a place where you're private, where you feel comfortable talking about what's going on in your life. But I know clients particularly that have a lot of anxiety um, that's, you know, sometimes made worse in this pandemic. Sure. Going outside of their house is just a lot harder for them. So being able to have an appointment with your counselor in your living room or in your bedroom is a huge benefit for people, particularly now. And I'm hoping that going forward, that also um, helps people connect, knowing that um, they can be home where they feel the most comfortable. And then maybe getting to a point once they get to know their counselor of coming into the clinic, because sometimes face-to-face really is the best. Sure. Way to do it, but but this is this is not a short um, session or or has shortcomings. You can still do a, an incredibly effective session over the phone. That's great to know, and that's great to know that the ease is there. You know, because again, everyone's feeling very overwhelmed. Many many people have so many balls in the air that they're juggling, whether it's homeschooling you know, working from home, loss of a job, trying to take care of a family, you know, you know, things happening with their home and, and all of that. So a lot of times people aren't thinking about themselves, right? Like, oh, I don't have time to worry about me or, you know, what's going on, you know, with my mental health, but, but it it is important to connect. And it's nice to hear that there's the ease of connection, And there aren't the barriers that might have been previously, right? Transportation, weather, 
work conflict. If you feel safe in your home, if you feel comfortable in your home, if if there's a private area in your home that you can connect with somebody and and discuss a couple of things that you might be struggling with, that ease of connection, you know, is so beneficial and, and impactful. It is. And we, we can also communicate, um, not have a therapy session over email, but like I've sent worksheets or I've sent articles or information to clients sure. over email. And then they can bring that up when we're on the phone and look at it and we can discuss it. So that makes it helpful too. We're able to use all these technological tools that we have at our disposal to help make that session a fuller, more effective session. That's amazing. I do miss the body language part, but, sure. but it's, but it's not, um, it, it's also about getting used to it. So when you do talk on the phone, you know, it's, it's slightly different, but it's, but it's still as, I still feel as connected with my clients and I believe they're answering their phone and they are engaged in, in sessions. So I believe it's as effective for clients over the phone as well. And that added bonus of being able to be home. I find it particularly with clients that have a trauma background um, that sometimes going out of their house um, is just can be very frightening for them. So sure. being able to be home, they're able to connect um, in a safe place where they feel the most comfortable. And that's huge. That's so great. Definitely. Definitely. It's important for people to realize that grief is hard and it is incredibly overwhelming at times, but it's also very much a normal process. And I don't like using the word normal. I was once told that normal is a setting on the dryer and that's about <laughs> it. <laughs> so because grief is both ubiquitous. It's everywhere. Everybody experiences at some point in their life, but it's also very unique. Everybody goes through it in a different way and that's okay. But also to remember that it is a normal process and it's not always in need of a therapist. So it's important to know, like, just because you're feeling really overwhelmed, you might want to reach out to a counselor and realize you might only need a couple of weeks or a couple of months of sessions to kind of get you over the hump uh -huh. versus somebody that has traumatic grief or really complicated grief or that they're deeply depressed or suicidal um, and might have underlying mental health issues in addition to grief. And that's sure. somebody that might need longer term counseling and medication to help them. And the beauty of Horizon, I think, is that we can offer both. We Absolutely. can see somebody in a short time period to help them kind of get over that hump, or we can help somebody with medication and with addiction services and with longer term trauma therapy or, or mental health therapy for whatever their underlying mental health issue is. So I think that's the beauty of that, but also recognizing kind of to bring it back to grief that Grief generally is a normal process that everybody goes through and it's hard, but you do get through it. No, you're absolutely right. And I think just driving that point home, which you did beautifully, is so important for people to hear really anytime, but especially as we're all navigating this 
this world right now and, and the feelings and emotions that are coming with it and some that we may haven't experienced in a long time or ever. So mm-hmm. I can't thank you enough for taking the time to sit down and really help us understand those, you know, feelings that some of us might have been feeling, how to navigate them, and then what to do if we feel like we need a bit of extra support or help along the way. I appreciate the opportunity. We appreciate you tuning in today. We hope this episode allowed you to understand how to manage some feelings, the importance of connection, and how to help support those who may be grieving. Be sure to subscribe to Heart to Heart to stay up to date and connected on the latest resources and topics that matter most to our community. Please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Instagram to stay informed and educated. Thank you for listening.